in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, hello, Friday. Uh, hey, Shinzo Abe, Prime Minister of Japan. He's gone. Uh, former Prime Minister, I guess. Yeah, former. I I, I got to admit, I don't know who the who's the current Prime Minister of Japan. I knew Abe. Certainly, Abe, big name, big name. He was there eight years, shot and killed on the street about six hours outside of Tokyo. Uh, what else can we say about that? Very, very sad. Uh, gosh, he was not the. Uh, he was in his late sixties. That's very young these days. I did. Have you seen the footage? Some maniac uh, shot him with a homemade gun and opens fire. But he's giving a speech. Abe, you see him. I think the first shot misses because. He doesn't fall down, but the camera starts moving wildly, and then the second shot hits him in the neck. And uh, But I was thinking, you know, just watching him there, he's giving a speech, and he only has a second left to live. And you just never know, right? You never know. Um, he was said to be pretty close to Donald Trump, a uh, real savvy player on the world stage, and, uh, yeah, survived eight years. I mean, there's a tremendous turnover in Japanese politics. I'm not sure why that is. And one thing... I've been to Japan once, and it is a fascinating place. It is like you're on another planet. I'm sorry. It is just so, I mean, foreign is the word. It's just so interesting, so many unique customs, and the culture is so unlike ours. Um, Now, there's one thing I really, really admire and respect about the Japanese. They take pride in any job, any job you have, if you're – in Japan, and you're Japanese, you take that job incredibly seriously. You are all in. You are focused. You are hyper-professional. Whether you are working at uh, the, the McDonald's in Tokyo or you work in sanitation or you're, whatever it is, you just take such pride in that job. Now, a lot of people do that here, but let's face it, if you've been to uh, Burger King lately, you know, a lot of people don't. And a lot of people are just passing through those jobs because America, you know, this is the land of big dreams and everybody wants to be something they're not. And a lot of times you'll actually fulfill that dream with hard work or whatever. But, you know, I guess a lot of folks just don't take it. You know, well, I'm gonna, my dream has nothing to do with uh, being the head guy at Burger King. So I won't be passionate about my job here. I'll be passionate about that. And therefore, your Whopper looks like it does. Nothing like the picture. I'm serious. I've noticed this um, when I was there. It was just a a fascinating contrast. Now, it's a peculiar culture. Listen to this. I remember very vividly. I was in Iraq in 2000. uh, I was there a bunch. I think this happened in 2003. And a group of Japanese aid workers were taken hostage. Terrible, right? Remember how they were taking uh, Westerners hostage and sometimes they were cutting off their heads? So these, uh, this group of aid workers were um, taken hostage in negotiations or whatever, and they were freed. They were freed. Beautiful, right? Great story. They go back to Japan, and guess what happens to them in Japan? The public, they hate them, scorns them. They're running around with they're, – they're, they're covering their faces like they were just arrested for uh, murder, you know, that they were like the perp walk. Uh, the attitude in Japan was, you guys should not have been there in the first place. 
What the hell are you doing causing trouble and making a spectacle out of yourself all over the place? Isn't that kind of wild? Uh, that's uh, that's Japan. It's a very unique, different kind of country. I love it. Love the people, love the food, but uh, boy, their uh, their way of living is very different from from the rest of the world, or a good chunk of it, or at least I've never I, I, I've seen it. I've seen it, saw it. I could not believe it. So Shinzo Abe and what else? He was good friends with Donald Trump. What else can we say about this? I don't know who's next. I don't know even who's there now. I do hear from the experts that this is not going to be a big deal in terms of our relationship with. Uh, Japan or the rest of the world, and that's fine. He he was the ex-prime minister. Okay, what else? A very angry Joe Biden came out today and lied and lied and lied about the Supreme Court, called them extremists, uh, totally mischaracterized the Roe v. Wade ruling, and then signed a totally useless, totally unnecessary executive order that will allow women to travel state to state to get abortions. Well, the Roe v. Wade decision explicitly states that interstate travel will not be prevented. A woman can travel from, say, Mississippi to California if she wants to get an abortion. All right? that's It's explicitly allowed. And Joe thinks that you need a law. You know what? He just needed an opportunity to look like he was doing something. He even was bad when he came out to talk about uh, Shinzo Abe. He was unbelievably exhausted and weird this morning. Um no surprise, I guess. That's what we got. That's what we got. Hey, do you know, for Mr. Nice Guy, Mr. Empathy, he yells and shouts and screams and uses profanity um, at staff. That's one of the reasons why staff members are leaving left and right. You know, one of them is the communications director, Kate Bedingfield is her name. Now, she's a liberal and all this, that, and the other thing, and I don't particularly care for her. But once I was driving around in my car— and I was listening to, what was it, the fake news, MSNBC, because at the time I could get it on my satellite radio. And I just hear this person. And I'm like, wow, they're actually pretty good. They're defending Biden. And, I mean, it's she's got a horrible case to make, but she's actually making the best of it. And she's doing pretty well. I, I had to stay in the car to figure out who it was. And finally, they said it was Kate Bedingfield. Now, she's leaving. She is a quality person. You probably haven't seen her much uh, because she's behind the scenes and I, if that's not a – this is a sinking ship, and people want off. And today, we'll try to get you some sound. He was yelling and screaming, and it was so, so wrong, so unpresidential. Yeah, a guy who's supposed to unify the country. You know, if you think about it, Trump, you know, they said he wasn't presidential. He could be more presidential than Abe Lincoln, even with the hat. Uh, he could, actually. He only got down and fought with the media when they started throwing questions at him. And they deserve it. They deserve it. But formal, solemn occasions of the presidency, he was incredibly, incredibly presidential. Um, and he'll ultimately get credit. Hey, take a look at this. We talked about that Yovalde uh, cop who did not take the shot when he had the shot. Kind of reminds me of Nighthawks. Ever see that movie Nighthawks with... Sylvester Stallone and Billy D. Williams, a fantastic movie about two New York City cops going after a terrorist. And at one point, Deke Da Silva has a shot at the terrorist, but he doesn't take it because he's afraid he might hit a civilian woman. Well, if he had taken the shot, a lot of people would be alive, even if it was a movie. And same goes for this Uvalde cop. Listen to this. Cut 35. Stunning new information details missed opportunities Uvalde police had in preventing the Robb Elementary Massacre. 
An officer armed with a rifle had the gunman in sight as the shooter approached the school building, but didn't fire. Instead, the report indicates the officer asked his supervisor for permission to shoot the suspect. Boss, can I take a shot at this guy? Uh, no, no, don't do it. Okay, boss. He did not have to ask for permission. This was the guy had already shot at the school. He was out the, outside the school. He had shot into classrooms, and he asked his boss for permission. Now, the state put out a report, said that this was totally justified. He did not need. This was a case where you do use deadly force, and he didn't. I'm like, why would he not just pull the trigger? Well, the way we've treated law enforcement over the past two years may give you some indication. And the way we treat each other, again, like we talked about, if you say, tweet, think, post the wrong thing, you could lose it all. Just for tweeting the wrong thing, for liking the wrong thing on the Internet, you hit, you hit that little heart emoji, you could be in serious trouble. How about pulling a trigger that sends a bullet into somebody's head? I mean, if, 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 you, if you could lose everything for liking an emoji on Facebook, how about that? So I can understand, actually, to some degree, the hesitation. I do. I wish it wasn't happening. And you know what? I actually think it has something to do with the, the shutdown. I went back through my phone, back to March of 2022, March, April, June. You know, I used to walk home from, or how did I get home back then? Sometimes I'd take a cab. It'd take me 20 minutes to find a cab. Sometimes I'd walk. Sometimes I would take the subway. I would walk west through Midtown, through Rockefeller Center, Rockefeller Plaza, and there was nobody, 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 nobody. I have these amazing videos on my phone. You look at them now. What was it like? What was it like to be in the middle of New York City and nobody's there? Nobody. I think that screwed up a lot of people, not just here in New York, but everywhere, everywhere. And we still haven't really kind of figured that out. I think people have post-traumatic stress. I personally do not. And you know why? Because I was working during that time. Thank God I was able to work during that time. I actually went to the office throughout all of COVID. But a lot of folks, I think this was very, very unnerving. And we still don't know the full impact on society. We don't. One guy, though, who was passionate about ending that lockdown, who spoke all the time about the negative effects of isolation and what it could lead to, alcoholism, drug abuse, suicide, was Donald Trump. Donald Trump did it. You know, they say he lacked empathy. He's the most empathetic president. He's a million times more empathetic than Joe Biden. It's um, it's pretty amazing. Hey, let me see this. Do we have... Can you hear this? Do you realize that this is a video game? Does it sound familiar to you? Cut 37. That is a little bit of Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto is one of the most popular video games in the world. Here's a little bit from Call of Duty, another very popular video game, cut 38. Two weeks right down. It's, it sounds bad. It looks worse. It's so incredibly brutal and vivid and weird. Growing up, we talked about it. I played Asteroids. I played a little bit of that, a little bit of this, a little bit of Tetris. Now they're playing this stuff. Every now and then, like, 
too infrequently. Once every 15 years, we have a conversation about it. Oh, this could be hurting kids. Oh, we got to come up with a new rating system. This will be, uh, and the, the ratings don't make sense anymore to me. I can't tell what they mean. I saw something that said Y27. What the hell does that mean? I remember G, P, G, R, and X. Oh, NC-17. Remember, we had a national conversation about NC-17. I think I also heard a thing called PG-13. We don't even have that. Basically, everything is R-rated now. Everything is R-rated. used to be restricted. Parental guidance, uh, there was parental guidance suggested. You couldn't see the movie if you were under 17. That's what R was, right? And uh, what what a really wise measure. That America took, the Motion Picture Academy of America. That was responsible. Now you can see all this junk, and we wonder why we have, if you add in the, the drugs that people are taking, both illegal and legal and psychotropic, the isolation of the pandemic and beyond, because nobody, there seems to be no sense of community, you can walk around for weeks and no one will ever talk to you, big city or small. One little thing, the parents of that shooter on July 4th, a couple of days beforehand, I want to question the parents. I know they apparently they had a really difficult domestic situation, but the mother asked the kid, do you have any plans for July 4th? I mean, I don't want to be too critical here, but is that something you ask your son? I mean, don't you kind of know as a family what you're doing together, hopefully? I mean, that's the kind of thing I might ask uh, Kevin, you know? I mean, what are you doing for the 4th? What did you do for the 4th, by the way? I uh, saw some fireworks outside of my uncle's apartment complex. Um, hmm. And where's that apartment complex? Uh, in Haverstraw, Rockland County, New York. Your uncle, huh? Yeah. All right. That's it? You went there to watch him? Yeah. Just hung out with him the whole day, yeah, with my father. All right. Very beautiful. See, you did something with the family. Fireworks at the apartment complex. But this kid, it was like, what are you doing on July 4th? And he said, nothing. (laughs) They said, okay, let us know if you need anything. It's kind of sad. It's very sad. He was also totally warped videos and all that kind of stuff. Look, we have all this new stuff. It's twisting and turning our brain in so many ways that we have not even begun to figure out. We're going to see a lot more of this stuff, unfortunately. Give me a moment. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Okay, hey, you know, we're all one team here at WABC, right? We're all one team. Uh, But one of our members needs a little bit of coaching, okay? So he's still on the team, of course. But I was just sitting here, and I had a... uh, It depends what feed you're listening to us on, but I heard a Bo Deedle commercial. Bo Deedle's a great guy. Wow, what a story, huh? So colorful. He just called President Trump a moron for not stopping January 6th. Is that what he said? We got to coach him up. He said he didn't do nothing on January 6th. Well, he did, actually. He issued statement after statement and put a video out saying, you got to go home. He did. Bo, you're a security expert. Watch the footage. Watch what happened. Watch how the cops let them inside. I can show you myself, the little cop, the cops on either side of the hallway. You think Fanon and Dunn and Gannell and Hodges are the real deal? 
This is a false flag operation, pal. A false flag. They, they, they flag. They framed. They framed Trump. And they framed those who had doubts about the election and had valid objections. And there was a forum and a format and a law under which they could be heard. The Electoral Count Act of 1887. And we had a number of senators and members of Congress, the House, who were ready to put it in writing and talk about it. That's what they wanted to stop. That's why they were let inside. And yes, there were agitators. There was Antifa there. You know, I was very suspicious. Right that very day, I'm like, that guy looks like Antifa. I got 50 emails saying, don't say that. I'm like, why not? I can't use my eyes. I can't I can't observe. People in the public saying, no, there's no evidence. Shut up. Look for yourselves. And then I noticed all those anchors. At one point on CNN, Jake Fake Tapper, Fake Jake Tapper, whatever, he's looking at a big crowd of people, just people milling around. It looked like the end of a baseball game. And he's saying, I cannot believe what I am seeing. This is a violent insurgency right before our eyes, an attempt to overthrow democracy. I'm like, what is he talking about? I'm looking at the same thing. And then I hear another one of those clowns, Dana Bash, Dana Bash. She says, can you believe the rioting that you're watching, the rioting? And I saw, I, I saw a line of people walking through, little, uh, walking through the rope line in the Capitol. I'm like, what are you talking about? And this is something that actually should be investigated. Like, what did they know? How did they know it? I didn't see that. I didn't see that. I saw what, what they were looking at, which was peaceful. But they kept on saying it's a surge, it's an insurrection. Look at this violence. By the way, the moment I saw one of the guys behind the podium in the United States Senate, I tweeted, get the hell out of there. Get them out. Arrest them. I want to hear the objections to the electoral count. Under the electoral count of 1887, there's a way for us to hear those objections. Anyway, so many lies, folks. So many lies. Hey, and the FBI, wow. Jim Comey, you ruined that place. The Federal Bureau of Investigation, right? Wow. I mean, so prestigious. And we grew up. Just it's in our blood to admire and respect the FBI. It's Federal Bureaucrats Incorporated now. The Federal Bureau of Incompetency. Uh and corruption. You know, for a long time, they've been known for their incompetence because they were losing people that they were following and they bungled everything. They did some good things, but man, oh man, just about every high-profile case in this country's history, they just missed it. Oh, we were on our way to talk to the guy. We had an appointment with Lee Harvey Oswald Monday. Yeah, he shot the president on Friday. Yeah, well, you know, we got too many cases or whatever their excuse was. So I looked at the footage they arrest. No, they didn't arrest. They raided the home of a guy named Jeffrey Clark, who was a senior Department of Justice lawyer in the Trump administration. And he had a few thoughts about the Electoral Count Act of 1887. And now they're trying to criminalize that stuff. That's that that really is what a a dictatorship would do. You try to cancel, cancel your opposition. Poor guy was standing in his underwear in his driveway, federal agents show up, have this Harvard graduate lawyer standing in the, in the driveway of his home in his underwear. 
hey, it's one thing if you're going to arrest the guy, okay, boom, 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 go inside, arrest him. But are you just going to search his house? You won't let him put a pair of pants on? And I'm watching it on TV. Law enforcement so uh, helpfully releases that footage. Hey, I hear that little bitch, Comey, by the way, former FBI director, and I do call him a bitch because he's a whiny little bitch. He really is drama queen. And he's complaining about, ooh, I was audited. I was audited by the federal government. Well, you know what? So was I. So what? So what? He's complaining. This cost me $5,000 in attorney's fees. Hey, this guy bankrupted people with his phony investigations. You got to hire lawyers to fend off that crap. He ruined the life of Paul Manafort. Roger Stone took all of his money. Michael Flynn, on and on and on, $5,000. The guy got $10 million for a phony book and a movie, in addition to $50 million from a hedge fund. I'll be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, this is pretty wild. Justice Kavanaugh was out last night at Morton's Steakhouse. I, there are a couple in Washington, D.C. There's one right in uh, the district, and there's one in Virginia, Pentagon City Mall, I think. Anyway, a mob showed up and started hassling him, yelling at him, jeering at him. His safety was threatened, and he had to go out the back way. Remember that happened to the Trump appointees shortly after we got there? They were hassling him, hounding at them. And that Maxine Waters and a lot of other Democrats were encouraging it. Get in their face as well. They got into Justice Kavanaugh's face. This is wrong. It was a perfect opportunity. Joe Biden today could have called for calm. Instead, he, again, another divisive, emotional, nasty speech, uh, complaining about Roe v. Wade, calling the justices extremists, saying essentially they lied. It was a bad decision. You know, you could say actually it was a bad decision, but you got to do it with a measure of respect. And you also have to acknowledge that, you know what, there are people out there who don't agree with you, Joe. How is this unifying the country, you nasty, nasty, nasty SOB? Is that what happens? Is this, uh, Has he always been this nasty? We've, all, we've known that he's dumb, but nasty, man, mean and nasty. I think... Part of the nastiness comes from he knows that he's losing it. He's lost it. He's bitter that he wasn't president, you know, younger, 45 or something like that. And I see Hunter Biden lurking around the White House again. He was at that Medal of Honor. No, I'm sorry. Freedom Medal of Freedom ceremony, which was yesterday. Some people are not going. Megan Rapino got a, an award. I saw that brilliant columnist in the New York Post. She is one nasty person. Very nasty on and off the field. Remember the soccer player with the purple hair? She's the one who said, uh, hello, mother effing New Yorkers. They gave her a medal. She's cursing her head off. Um, She scores a goal and she makes fun of the other team. I mean, there's trash talk and then there's 
just hideous behavior. And this is really hideous stuff. I didn't know this, but apparently they beat another team, I think Thailand, by like 13 or 14 to nothing. And after a point, it just got totally ridiculous. And she, so arrogantly, at one point, she goes, watch this. She takes the ball from like the zero yard line. Do they have that in soccer? And takes it herself all the way down to the goal to score the 12th goal. Right. So she gets it by, you know, seven of the players. I think it was Thailand. Right. And scores it herself and then does this horrible thing, you know, like a, you know how they spike the ball and they dance in the end zone. It was like that, but 10 times worse. Anyway, I like that Denzel Washington did not go. I don't think he wants to be seen with Joe Biden. Does that make sense? Who wants to be seen with Joe Biden? He's a nasty loser of a guy and nobody wants to be seen with him. Um, but that's, uh, yeah, something's got to change here. Now, the media are still covering for him. Oh, this is Mika Brzezinski. She has got to be the worst person. Well, I'll say it, the worst person in the world. Uh, well, I don't really, really mean that, but isn't that what Keith Olbermann had a little franchise calling people the worst? Look, I'm sure she's nice to animals and her children, maybe. But look at this hysterical woman complaining about who knows what? I don't think she can keep track. Cut 42, please. Cut 42. Stop hiding behind something not only we're talking about, but we're doing something about. In fact, the latest bill, the gun legislation that was passed, addresses mental health. There's nobody who knows more than Democrats and teachers. Stop. And men- There's nobody who knows more than Democrats. Shouldn't, shouldn't somebody call her up to the office and say, if you say something like that again, you're fired? She pretends to be neutral. Nobody knows more than Democrats. Keep going. Nobody who knows more than Democrats and teachers and mental health professionals and anybody who knows someone who's suffering, anybody who's right. on social media, that mental health is a huge struggle. And yes, we it need is. to deal with it. We need to deal with the root causes like social media and different other reasons that information that's inappropriate just flies around the internet mm-hmm. and into our children's phones. We understand but you see, mental health. No, you got to get some mental health. That's uh, Mika Brzezinski. You know, it's some of what she's saying, I mean, yeah, you could talk about social media, you could talk about the internet, you could talk about mental health, but do you have to be hysterical about it and, and saying that it's all Mitch McConnell's fault? That's who she was angry at and directing her her comments toward just like everybody else in the media, just about she's done nothing other than be in the media right out of school. They just find a microphone and start blabbing into it. And that's all they've ever done. And most of them, they don't know what to say. So you got to give them a bunch of stuff to read and they just blab away. And most of the time they take it from the New York times and uh, the Times sets the agenda for all these misfits. Uh, let's see here. Um, and that stuff can be very, very poisonous over time. You know what they've been saying about, well, law enforcement, right? I mean, just completely unfair, complete distortions, sometimes lies about the threat that cops pose to communities of color. Cops have been saving lives, especially in communities of color. Hey, once again, Rudy Giuliani, are they finished with the procedure? Okay, so he had a stent placed in his heart. One of the, one of the, what do they call it again? A vein, a or, 
What's the difference between a vein and the aorta? The aorta is the main artery. No, that's my question. What is the difference between an artery and a vein? An artery, I think, pumps blood. I don't know. (laughs) Where's a cardiologist? There is a difference. I think it has to do with the direction of the blood. Uh, Actually, yeah. I think I can figure this out myself. A vein is... Mm. No, I can't. Um... Well, generally, look at your, look at your, no, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. What's the difference between a vein and an artery? Do you know? So a vein will carry the blood towards the heart. Ah, damn it, it that's what I wanted to say. A vein goes toward the heart. And you know how I know that? Well, kind of knew that because the blood is kind of darker, almost bluish. And that means it's not oxygenated. Wait a second. That still doesn't make sense because you would want, so a vein brings it to the heart and artery away from the heart. Correct. Okay. Well, he had a stent put in one of his arteries to open it up because, uh, you know, you eat too many hamburgers and plaque builds up in there, and he's going to be okay. I just checked in on him uh, last night, and we look forward to him uh, back here. And I got to talk to him, quite frankly, about the ins and outs of running for mayor because the more I look at this city and the more I look at this degenerate who's the mayor right now officially, Eric Adams, the worst. You see this? Crime is up another 30%, 30% for last month over last year. I think the month before it was 40%. And Eric Adams says it's uh, New Yorkers who don't see the situation right. It's uh, We just don't understand what a great job he's doing. Cut 16. Crime is the number one issue on uh, New Yorkers' mind right now. You know, regardless of all the good stuff we're doing, until what? we get crime under control... Uh, New Yorkers are going to feel we're not making progress, which we are. Which we are. How? 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 What are you doing? He doesn't know what to do. And he doesn't know anybody who knows anything. Well, there's like one or two guys, but I don't think he listens to them. And that's the problem. He's um, he's got He's an egomaniac. And, uh, yeah, a racist. He's a racist. He's racist against white people. He stood up there at one police plaza, talked about the crackers, all these crackers. I kicked those crackers' ass, man. He said it. I didn't. What kind of person says such a thing? Then he looks at the reporters and says, too many of you don't look like me. What? What? And guess what? It worked. The reporters are running scared. They are. They won't they won't subject this guy to critical coverage in this moment that we're in right now? Uh-uh. This moment. This crazy moment. Hey, fortunately though, the bodega guy from Hamilton Heights is out of jail. Uh Jose Alba, who looks like he's 70, but he's only in his early 50s, who was attacked by that crazy guy, Austin. Because his girlfriend felt disrespected and uh, Mr. Alba, after he was pushed and assaulted, uh, was defending himself, had a knife on him, stabbed his attacker. I'm sorry the attacker died, but he, you know, self-defense, we can all see that. So he's out of jail. And it's good. that's a good thing. Bail bond was reduced from 500000 to 250000 all the way down to 50000 and you can look at the tape. This guy is, uh, I think he's going to, he should walk because he's not guilty. And the guy who, uh, you know, caused the trouble to begin with, career criminal, has messed with uh, 
has assaulted cops, assaulted innocent people all the time. Bad, bad dude, in and out of jail, in and out of prison. And uh, But that's the way it is. Everything's backwards these days. Um, when it comes to these situations, though, the media, very, very mindful of race. Very mindful of race. They got they ooh, they tiptoe around ever so carefully because there's one narrative right now, right? The Black Lives Matter narrative and that cops are corrupt and communities of color are being oppressed by the police. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's poisonous, actually. So irresponsible. Like this kind of stuff. Cut 43. You can't drive while black, can't walk while black, now you can't proactively comply while black? Three high school students in Rochester, New York, are arrested while waiting for their school bus. Their offense, waiting while black. You can't barbecue while black. You can't go bird watching while black. Pulling people over, driving while black in essence. Young black men, they're often guilty of driving while black, walking while black, standing while black. The two men arrested at Starbucks for sitting while black. Can't breathe while black, can't exist while black. Don, we got a problem. Well, we do have a problem. It's that toxic rhetoric that you and your friends there are pushing. Okay, people of all races, by the way, saying that nonsense. Because it's had a terrible corrosive effect. And I see it now virtually every day. Person of color gets pulled over by the police thanks to all of that crap you just heard. They think that no stop is justified, that the police are inherently racist and they are entitled to push back, even fight back. And that's getting people of color, lots of other people, but primarily people of color, killed. If you heard about the Jalen Walker case, no one seems to want to talk about the fact that the cops say he fired a shot at them, that there was a chase, they would not pull over his car, and then he got out and ran. Before firing a shot, Jalen Walker was shot by police himself. But no, all those details are just too inconvenient. So they they just put it this way. This is the Jalen Walker case. It's kind of big, but even they can't fake it that much. All right, listen to this. Cut 44. In this case, they're saying, well, you know, they freeze the thing and they say, well, he made a furtive movement. He seemed to be bending. We feared for our lives. There was no threat to the community in the case of uh, of Jalen Walker. He didn't threaten anybody but them. He was outmanned. He was outgunned. And he was contained in an area. Please help us understand why, for any reason, anyone would have to be shot. Well, uh, shooting at cops... Cops are entitled to return fire. It's interesting. The first speaker in that clip was uh, Joy Reid, horrible person on MSNBC. I mean the worst. And she seems to think that uh, there's a new standard. If cops are threatened, it's not good enough to return fire or to engage. The community at large has to be threatened. Okay, so cops are like officially sitting ducks, right? Officially, they just got to take that bullet. It's only if a member of the community, the civilian, that's not what the law says. These maniacs may want to try to change it, but you just, wow, huh? Yeah, what's right is wrong. What's down is up. Everything's backwards and twisted around. Finally, though, finally, a simple acknowledgement from the FBI director. His name is Chris Ray. One of the worst appointments that Donald Trump ever made, by the way. This guy is a swamp rat. 
playing uh, footsie with Democrats. He's uh, tried to trip up Trump in a million different ways. But he's finally acknowledging that white supremacy is uh, not such a big deal, actually. When it comes to our national security, we got to be worried about China. Cut 48. We consistently see that it's the Chinese government that poses the biggest long-term threat to our economic and national security. Well, you got to make an appointment with Joe Biden and get him to stop saying this junk. Cut 49. I've spent more time with Xi Jinping, at least before we got out, than any world leader has. I've traveled 17,000 miles with him, the president of China. President of China, you hear that? That's a message to clients. That's a message to customers. Go see Hunter if you want to get something done in China. Because not only have I spent time with him, wow, we actually get down to business, meetings, briefings, cut 50. I have spoken and spent more time with Xi Jinping than any other world leader has. I've had hours and hours and hours of meetings and personal conversations with Xi Jinping. I spent more time with him, I believe, than any other world leader has. Poor Xi Jinping. Is that his name? President Xi. Poor. I feel bad for that guy. Give me a moment. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Okay. Uh, hello? Time to take some phone calls. Uh, this is Paul. Are you in Green Bay, Wisconsin? Do I have that right? Where are you? No, Green Boom 35, New York Harbor, Greg. Where? Oh, never mind. What's up? I just wanted to share some uh, something about leg cramps with you. Wait a I've, second. Uh, wait a second. Wait a second. You're on a buoy in New York Harbor? Is that what you said? Green buoy 35. That puts me right in front of the New York Statue of Liberty. Uh, just, what, what the hell are you doing out there? I'm on the ferry going to Manhattan. Oh, you're just on a regular ferry? Yeah. Staten Island Ferry. Oh, all right. Interesting. I you sound yeah. fine. It's a beautiful ride, isn't it? I take it every day, twice a day sometimes. It's just, uh, you know, New York Harbor. I worked out on the harbor for over 35 years, turning valves, delivering uh, fuel. And uh, you'd be proud of my son, too. You know, he's uh, First Lieutenant Allison Morales. He's a pilot flying fuel in those tankers, a new breed of pilot. Uh, wait, hold on a second. Um, you work on the ferry? No, I just I commute on it, Greg. Oh, all right. And uh, what kind of plane does your son fly? He flies the new KCs. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't need to talk about it, but it's the, you know, the fuel tankers up there in the sky. Yeah. Fueling the little guys. All right. Very cool. Uh, my leg is yeah. fine. Don't worry about it. But what are we going to say? Most what? soccer players come out on the field with little packs of mustard. And I learned this from Dr. Oz after so many years of suffering for leg cramps. You ever get two leg cramps at a time? Dr. Ross says organic mustard. It took me a whole lifetime to find out. It cuts your leg cramps two minutes, five minutes. You know you're going to get a good night's sleep. What do you do? You eat the mustard? Uh, like take it like a spoonful, sometimes two spoonfuls. It's got to be like you specialty know? organic mustard or can it be Goulden's? organic mustard, but I go with like, uh, like the spicy brown mustard. I don't know what organic. Yeah, it's made out of carbon, yeah, but... Uh, Horseradish, too, but now soccer players, they go out on the field with little packs of mustard. All right. Well, hey, I tell you what, Dr. Oz has, uh, he's got it all going on, running for the U.S. Senate now in uh, Pennsylvania. I hope he wins. I think he's going to. And the other thing about Dr. Oz, he's given me so many great little health tips over the years. And one thing that I've pretty much implemented, going to bed at the same time every night, that helps a hell of a lot. 
You know, I know you want to stay up late on weekend nights, but if you do that, it can screw up your system. And anyway, uh, he's a terrific guy, great man, and I hope he wins. All right, man. Well, hey, enjoy that ride on the ferry. If you ever have friends in town and they want to see the Statue of Liberty, in my opinion, it's not worth it. It's like a four-hour wait to get on that damn ferry, and you go over there, and it's just a hassle. Um, But the best way to see the Statue of Liberty, in my opinion, is from the Staten Island Ferry. And it's free, by the way, that ferry. Uh, Let's see here. Alex in, pardon me, in Brooklyn. Yeah, hi. Yeah, hi, Greg. Um, Alcohol is illegal to give for a minor. Under you know, so why don't we make it illegal to show certain video games for kids that are under eighteen? We should, we, if alcohol is illegal and cigarettes are illegal for kids, why isn't uh, video games that end up you know educating them into violence? And then we have these results where eighteen-year-olds are shooting people. Why don't we avoid that by making it illegal? Hey, I think hey, it would be constitutional. Uh, you know what? Sooner or later, they're going to make the connection between these violent attacks and video games. I know, this issue used to come up more often than it does now. It's like cigarettes. I mean, we know cigarettes cause cancer, but believe it or not, actually, I have this old-timey commercial for cigarettes. Listen to this. This is uh, like from the 1950s. Doctors were recommending cigarettes. Cut 39. In a repeated national survey, doctors in all branches of medicine, doctors in all parts of the country were asked, what cigarette do you smoke, doctor? Once again, the brand named most was Camel. Yes, according to this repeated nationwide survey, more doctors smoke Camels than any other cigarette. Yeah, all right, so we figured out that that's not a good thing to do, all right? It leads to lung cancer and a lot of other problems. I don't think, I think someday it will be seen as that basic, Call of Duty, uh, Grandmaster Flash, what the hell is this thing called again? Uh, Grand Theft Auto. I saw some of it yesterday. I was really, I knew it was bad. I didn't know it was this bad. So we got that to worry about. And also, also, we need to have a full discussion and probably an investigation to all these drugs we're giving kids. Uh, you ever, you, if you listen to these commercials, they even tell you in the commercials that bad things can help happen if you take these drugs, the psychotropic drugs. You know, you get a prescription for them, but still, there's risk. Cut 40. Some people have had changes in behavior, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, and suicidal thoughts or actions while taking or after stopping. In depressed patients, worsening depression, including risk of suicide, may occur. One ingredient in may increase. You got it. You get the, it may increase uh, suicide risk, suicide and homicide. They go right together. It seems very, very obvious. Why don't we have that conversation? Why haven't there been these investigations? Because... Those pharmaceutical companies are so big, so powerful, and so much money flows from them to advertisers and media. That's one of the reasons why it hardly ever comes up. I bring it up. Uh, let's see. I hear Tucker Carlson brought it up the other night, but uh, he's uh, he's he's new to the conversation. We welcome him, by the way. He's a he's a fantastic guy. Hey, you may want to get rid of Netflix. I'm t- I mean, I I don't want to cancel anybody. I'm well. Netflix is fine. Uh, whether they have me as a customer or not. I will not be a customer, though, and I don't want my kids watching Netflix. First of all, even their good programming, there's too much of it, too much of it, and there's a lot of bad programming. I mean, there's more of this junk, a cartoon, where they're really encouraging people, young kids, to get all sexed up 
and to get all focused on genitals and when it's totally age inappropriate. They're recommending this dumb show called, uh, what's it called again? Dead End Paranormal Park. They say it's good for kids 7 and up. Try 17 and up, maybe even 27. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, just before we came on air, Joe Biden spoke to the country or whatever chunk of the country was watching cable news uh, on a Friday afternoon in July. But uh, he spoke about the Roe v. Wade decision and this phony baloney executive order he signed that will say that I guess women can travel state to state to get an abortion. If it's illegal, say in Mississippi, you can travel to a couple states over to get an abortion and you won't be prosecuted. Well, the Supreme Court said themselves that that could never happen, that would never happen, that interstate travel, that there's absolutely no way a woman could get prosecuted for that. They said it out loud, but that didn't stop Joe. Of course, he wants to look like he's doing something, and it was another chance to uh, disunify America. Do we have any uh, – this is Joe from this morning, right? Uh, Hit me. I want to talk about an executive order I'm signing to protect reproductive rights of women. In the aftermath of the Supreme Court's terrible, extreme, and I think so totally wrongheaded decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, in both formalized actions I announced uh, right after the, de- the decision, as well as adding new measures today. Let's be clear about something from the very start. This was not a decision driven by the Constitution. Let me say it again. This was not a decision driven by the Constitution. And despite what those justices and the majority said, this was not a decision <clears throat> driven by history. Uh, wrong, and I saw him rattle off a bunch of stuff that did not make sense after that. If you look at the 14th Amendment, um, there can be rights that we have that are not based or not stated explicitly in the Constitution, but they have to be in keeping with our traditions and our mores, and abortion, uh, legalized abortion, has never been part of this country's history. It's not. It's just not. The justices actually took a really deep dive on that very question. And it's not. It was always kind of a radical, illegal act up until 1973. Joe's got it all wrong, as usual. What else? The dissenting opinion says as clear as you can possibly say it. And here's the quote. Neither in law nor facts nor attitudes have provided any new reason to reach a different result than Roe and Casey did. And that has changed. Excuse me. And all that's changed is this court. End of quote. All that's changed is this court. <clears throat> that wasn't about the Constitution or the law. It was about a deep, long-seating antipathy toward Roe and the broader right to privacy. Hey, a long-seated antipathy toward Roe has been felt on the right and the left. Even the most pro-abortion freaks out there who know anything about the Constitution know that Roe was a very, very flawed decision. I mean, big time. It just did not pass, what do they like to say? Constitutional muster. And I've been telling people to do this, and I love it. I've been reading the Constitution. You can read it. You can understand it. And what's more, you can read these opinions. They're available to each and every one of us. I don't believe that Joe Biden sat down with all 150 pages and read the damn thing. I don't think he did. I don't think he has that kind of stamina. 
Quite frankly, I don't have that kind of stamina to make it through. It took me about two weeks to actually make it through the whole damn thing. But I got the gist of it. What else? This wrote in their dissent, and I quote, the majority has overruled Roe and Casey for one and only one reason, because it has always despised them, and now it has the votes to discard them, end of quote. So what we're witnessing wasn't a constitutional judgment. It was an exercise in raw political power. Stop. No. And Joe, you said on Inauguration Day in 2021 that you would do everything in your power to unify this country, to bring us together. You made a solemn pr- promise to God, I believe you, you said, to us and to God, that your whole soul was in it to unify this country. Listen to you now. Now, this is a, this is a divisive issue, I'll grant you. All right, but you're the president of all the people, not just Planned Parenthood, not just a bunch of pinko, uh, pussy hat wearing protesters in Washington, D.C. Yes, you can. Don't bleep that out. It's a legal word. You bleeped it out? Good. And I'm not talking about the organ. I'm talking about the hat. I'm talking about the hat. You've seen that dumb stuff. They wear that stupid hat, and they walk around, and they run around all angry and stuff. Joe, you did a great job of leading them. Good for you. And a great job of firing them up to further potentially threaten the lives of Supreme Court justices they disagree with. Boy, I'm sick of this guy. One more. We need two additional pro-choice senators and a pro-choice House to codify Roe as federal law. Your vote can make that a reality. I know it's frustrating, and it made a lot of people very angry. But the truth is this, and it's not just me saying it. It's what the court said. When you read the decision the court has made clear, it will not protect the rights of women. Period. Period. After having made period, decision Period. On- you know what, Joe? Something... It really is amazing that you're talking about the rights of women and girls. He, he used that phrase a couple of times. He didn't, women and girls, women and girls, girls and women. I, there's picture after picture, video after video of this guy not respecting women and girls, right? You've seen him. We've all seen him. Groping, sniffing, touching, feeling, smelling women and girls. Eight-year-olds, 80-year-olds, licking them, smelling them, grabbing them. What kind of... Mo- <laughs> He just stands there and says all this stuff. All right. Is he wrapping up here? One more. Reading of a document that was frozen in time in the 1860s when women didn't even have the right to vote. The court now, now, practically dares the women of America to go to the ballot box and restore the very rights they've just taken away. One of the most extraordinary parts of the decision, in my view, is the majority rights, and I quote, Women, I'm just a quote now from the, the majority. Oh, he Women this are not without electoral or political power. It is noteworthy that the percentage of women who register to vote and cast a ballot is consistently higher than the percentage of the men who do so. End of quote. I, I don't know what the point is there. Actually, I can't. I don't. I, won't, I, I don't. Do you? Um, no, no. But. Um, that's not in keeping with who he said he would be, what kind of president he would said, said he would be. 
It's a violation, I think, of uh, the spirit of his promise and the letter of the law of his promise. Hey, here's something from the Freedom, the Medal of Freedom ceremony yesterday. It brings up John McCain, the late John McCain. Cut three, cut three. I never stopped admiring John. Never said a negative thing about him in my life because I knew his honor, his courage, and his commitment. That was John McCain. Hmm. It took the researchers about uh, 0.8 seconds to find this. Cut 38 from 2008. Joe Biden talking about John McCain, the man he never uttered a bad word about. And one of the things that's made me so sad, I mean this literally, over the last weeks, John McCain's campaign has gone way over the top. They have taken the low road to the highest office in the land, and it's disappointing that his campaign is going this route. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not only George Bush's economic policies that John McCain and Sarah Palin have bought hook, line, and sinker. It appears now that it's Karl Rove's brand of politics of division. I never thought I'd see that. I really, I, I expected it from others. I never thought I'd see it from the McCain campaign. Hmm. Now, you know, he's doing a little trick here. I've I've seen it before. If you tell the truth carefully enough, you never have to lie. Now, Joe lies all the time. But, you know, he said that as part of his formal remarks. And he said, I never criticized John McCain. I criticized the campaign. It's deceptive. Uh, cut 37. Yo? That's all right. In, In the, the most recent debate, John McCain felt the need to declare that he was not President Bush. We know that old expression. You ever heard it? He doth protest too much. He bragged about voting with President Bush 90% of the time. And remember, he won his party's nomination. How did he do it? By telling the Republicans and the American people that there was no stronger supporter of George W. Bush than John McCain. So, ladies and gentlemen, He may not look like George Bush. My mom, when I was a kid, she'd say, Joey, if it looks like a duck, if it walks like a duck, and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if it looks like a bush, if it sounds like a bush, if it votes like a bush, it is a bush. Stop, 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 stop. First of all, his mother never said that about the duck. All right. The mother never, ever said that. Some campaign consultant in 1972 told him, uh, Joey, maybe that guy said Joey, uh, the people, the Hicks especially, love it when you talk about your parents. All right. Just say that they said this uh, this stuff because we've seen these clips. It's kind of fascinating. All the stuff that Mr. Joe Biden Sr. is alleged to have said. It's just, it defies, and no, there's no way. There's just no way. <laughs> a mother ever saying that about a duck to their son? No. Uh, where did I first? I mean, that's, the, no. Political junkies, maybe. Hey, the situation with the bodega uptown, the whole country's talking about it. That man is a hero in my book. Jose Alba is his name, right? Stabbed that intruder who wanted to do him harm. Larry Elder is weighing in. You know Larry Elder? He's the guy, he ran for governor, he lost, unfortunately, happens to be black. It's kind of funny, though. White people accused Larry Elder of being a white supremacist. Go, how do you unpack that one? Larry Elder 
had something to say about the situation, and I think he's uh, spot on here. Cut 13. What are the possible reasons why this man is being prosecuted? Is it that the evidence of self-defense is weak? No, this videotape. Is it that he provoked the attack? No, the man who got stabbed and died provoked the attack. What is the possible rationale for charging a man who clearly was engaging in self-defense? My first job was as a law clerk with the L.A. County DA's office. They were very careful about bringing cases, only brought cases they thought they could win. When I practiced law decades ago, I was a trial lawyer. No way you're going to get this guy convicted. So the only thing I can see, the only rationale I could possibly think of why Bragg is bringing these charges, and by the way, he hasn't issued a statement, I wonder why, is I guess the purpose of a black person. I wonder had he been stabbed and killed and he was white, would we be having this conversation? Frankly, I doubt it. Uh, He's right. Larry Elder is right. Now, Eric Adams sees where the political winds are going on this one, right? And, you know, he loves occasionally impressing those donors with saying what he thinks is the right thing in the moment. So this is what he gets by on. All right. Here's Eric Adams on that situation. Cut 14. My heart goes out for that hardworking, honest New Yorker that was doing his job in his place of business where a person came in and went behind the counter and attacked him. Okay. His fart goes out. And then he'll get a lot of credit for saying that. Now, he didn't say it until he figured out exactly what direction everything was taken, where public sentiment was, where the New York Post was, right? When the coast was finally clear, profile and cowardice, Eric Adams has something to say. The key to understanding that guy is he has nothing to do. He has no ideas, no way to implement them, even if he had the ideas. He's a follower, not a leader, and a really bad man. Give me a moment. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You've heard of the story of Emmett Till, right? Young man, I think he was like 14 years old. This is all the way back in the 50s. And what did he do? It was in the South, and uh, I guess he whistled at a white woman, and she was offended, and uh, the husband found out, and they, a gang showed up, uh, and they, they, they beat and tortured this poor kid, I mean, and killed him. Horrible, horrible, horrible case. Very well known in the civil rights movement. But there's something weird going on. Uh, I guess in relation to that, An arrest warrant or some sort of appearance ticket was issued for the woman who was whistled at or at whom Emmett Till was whistling. And she's still alive, crazily enough. She's still alive and living in North Carolina. They think, by the way. So this little arrest appearance ticket was discovered in the archives within the past couple of weeks. And there are folks out there trying to say, this is still valid. This is still active. We want to pursue it. We want this woman arrested. Now, it's kind of laughable, by the way. And from what I can tell, she didn't do anything wrong. If she was offended, I mean, she had every right to tell her husband, but her husband had no right to do what he did with along with a gang of others. So there's video now of a big mob of people showing up at some nursing home in North Carolina where they think this woman is located. 
and they're yelling and they're screaming and they're hassling everybody else in this nursing home. They have no idea what they're talking about. What? Who? Emmett? What? Nobody knows anything. It's just, it is kind of crazy. But isn't it wild that that woman is still alive? That's, uh, that's, but here's something else. And in investigating this and reading about it, Emmett Till is a major name in the civil rights universe. Did you know Emmett Till had a father named Lewis who was in the United States Army and executed for the crime of rape? Yeah. Ten years or so prior to Emmett Till's murder, Lewis Till was an American soldier. He was the father of Emmett Till, whose murder in August of 19... 19- 55 at the age of 14 galvanized the civil rights movement. Till was court-martialed on two counts of rape and one count of murder in Italy in 1945 while serving in the U.S. Army and was executed by hanging. Isn't that kind of weird? Wow. And now they're looking for this, uh, this woman. How can she still be alive? 1955. How many years ago was that? Uh, it's almost... 70 years ago, right? Wait, oh, shoot. Yeah, it's it's 67 years ago. This is crazy. Let me just get a name of this woman. Uh, Till, 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 till. Could Okay, no, that's not her. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, I'll get back to you on that. She is said to be alive. And this is just wild. There's an arrest warrant. And why could there be an arrest warrant? Something to do... Whistling. Okay, her name is Bryant. Carolyn Bryant. She was 21 years old at the time. That means she was born in 1934. So she is in her late 80s, very late 80s. Wow. Wow. And she's still alive and living in a nursing home in North Carolina. But that big mob showed up at the wrong one. (whistles) History is fascinating stuff, isn't it? George in Manhattan, hello. Mr. Mayor-elect, how are you doing today? Happy 8th. Thank you. Not mayor-elect yet. A lot of work to do. A lot of work to do first, but we'll see. What's going on? Have you, um, has there been any word about the running mates for Trump or DeSantis? Uh, the name I hear the most for Trump would be Senator Scott from South Carolina. Beyond that, I have not heard much other than it will not, not, I repeat, not be Mike Pence. That phony, baloney, stiff, mannequin guy. No, sir. No chance. No chance. It'll be him. That's all I know. How about you? Any chance of Pence and DeSantis, uh, you know, joining forces and so they could clean house? Pence and DeSantis? I'm sorry, uh, Trump. Trump and DeSantis. Yeah, you you got. No, there's rivalry Trump between these guys. There's, I think, there's some rivalry there. I also, um, I think, I think DeSantis has not been deferential sufficiently. I think uh, the copycat thing has gotten Trump a little bit annoyed. Uh, I think DeSantis is too young. I think DeSantis is a little bit weird. I think that uh, the idea that he has uh, no baggage or that somehow. He's like Trump without the baggage or without. No, that's not true. You look at the, what they've said about him regarding that that bill that kids in uh, school in Florida should not be talking about sex with uh, teachers. You know, at a certain age, parents must be informed. 
They're trying to say that he's a fascist, that he's a homophobe, all that stuff. And, oh, by the way, last thing, they can't run as running mates because they're both from the same state. And under the Constitution, I think it's the 12th Amendment, I'm not sure, it says you can't be from the same state. I don't know why they came up with that, but it's true. And Trump is now a Florida resident, not a New York resident. Did you know any of that stuff? Uh, No, thanks for enlightening me. You bet. Yeah. Are you sure? You being a wise guy? No, no, no. (laughs) Sounded a little sarcastic there. I I love love all the... I love your show and all the uh, historical facts. Well, you know, look, it's available to each and every one of us, each and every one of us. All right, George, thank you. Uh, Oh, one more. Jacqueline. Jacqueline, hello. Hi, Greg. Good afternoon. Um, I just want to put my two cents in with regard to this horrible situation with this Mr. Alba, the uh, bodega owner. Uh, In my opinion, everyone in the community should peacefully protest just like those peaceful protesters at the homes of the Supreme Court justices. They should protest not only at his office every day until the charges are dropped, but they should also protest at his home until the charges are dropped. Wait, at whose home? At Bragg's home. Oh, Alvin Bragg's? That's not a bad idea. I wonder where he lives. Hey, and how about throwing some business at the bodega? Because I think uh, they're feeling it right now and not in a good way. Thank you, uh, Jessica. Good points. Be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, do me a favor. Just close your eyes if you can for a moment and try to think of the last gift you got on Christmas, this past Christmas. Huh? Think about the gift you received. Or think about the gift you gave somebody. Be honest. Can you really remember? Can you really think of one of those gifts? I personally cannot. Um, Granted, we're not giving gifts like uh, we used to. Heck, I'm not eight years old anymore. But uh, it's interesting, right? We're all frantic for five weeks, six weeks. And I'm all about, you know, keeping the economy going and retailers and all that stuff. But, man, we spend a lot of money on junk that we don't really need. Uh, We spend all that time trying to get money to buy stuff that we don't want to impress people that we don't like. <laughs> I uh, I think Norman Vincent Peale or somebody like that said words to that effect. Isn't that interesting? Though? I can't think of anything. Can you think? And this is not the first time I've made this observation before. Not saying that I get crummy gifts. I get decent gifts, but I just don't real. I don't recall them. We seem to need fewer things than ever before. In large part because of the phone, everything's crammed in there, and all anybody seems to want to do is be on that dumb thing. Um, but what's my point here? Oh. For a while there, from like 2009 to 2012, not exactly a, you know, a huge chunk of my life, but I was making Christmas gifts. I would actually craft them. I would take a picture of something interesting and, and have it framed, and I'd say, here, Merry Christmas. And quite frankly, people were puzzled and stumped, um, but and so I guess disappointed. But I, I really thought that they were... I know they were thoughtful. I really thought about it, and it was fun to do. And I think I may do it again. I don't know if it's a picture or do I want to make them a a clay ashtray or something like that. But I want to make something. It's a little bit fun. I don't want to deal with that. And I want to start thinking about it now. What is it, July? We've got five months to go before those crazy holidays hit us. And, again, we got to keep the economy going. But, hey, you can go to the arts and crafts store and buy some stuff to make some stuff. 
I actually love, you know what? I love stores. I do. I love browsing. You know what? I love, I actually like bookstores. Where the hell are they? There's like two Barnes and Noble in the state now. Nothing. You got to buy these silly ebooks. I don't like it. I don't like looking at the screen. I like wandering around a bookstore and buying a bunch of books that I may or may not read. That's what I miss. Uh, I know there's one downtown. I got to get back out there. And there's nothing like picking up a book, a real book. Actually, I've been doing it lately. And it takes you off the phone. It's a wonderful, wonderful escape from this hideous device. And I want to do this one more time. Denzel Washington. I'm a big fan, actually. Not so much of his movies. I mean, they're fine. I just, you know, I'm not saying like, wow, he's the best actor. I know he's a good actor. But he says some really interesting things. And he's a little bit politically incorrect, which, you know, I'm rooting for him there. But this thing with the phone, I've always been, you know, I've been fascinated. Why are we all hooked on this? Why isn't anybody calling attention to this? This is really, I think this just might be screwing us up. And I've never heard anybody of Denzel Washington's profile or stature raising these concerns. And here he is a while back in the in Britain, cut 41, if you don't mind, for the second time. So what is the long-term effect of too much information? The polarization of the electorate? Or a some, meter spiritness? And false information as well, because the, the, the whole of, fake news pick thing. One, pick one. It's not just one. That's the flavor of the day. Every day is something else. People have to understand, are you using your device or is your device using you? Can you put it down? Can you turn it off? You're talking about literally the places people All get their information, information from. I don't care what, what information. Pick one. Phone, television. You know, it used to be news. Now it's opinions. Oh, glasses. We have three experts on the right, three on the left. Let's discuss. Ooh, light bulbs. We have three experts on the right. That's not news. That's opinions. Well, over and over and over. Cycle, 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 cycle. What is the long-term effect of too much information? If you're sitting there and you're thinking it's the gospel, what I'm saying to people is, to all of us, I'm not knocking the phone. What I'm saying is we have to understand. We have to at least ask ourselves around the world, you here in England, wherever you are, what is it doing to us? Well, it's starting to hurt my eyeballs and make my thumbs ache and give me this constant sense of, uh, I don't know, low-grade anxiety. What's going on? What's going on? Uh, He's right about that. And at times I have made an effort consciously to put this dumb thing down, to leave it alone, to put it aside. But it's like everybody has a television set. Remember we were worried about kids watching too much TV? If only, right? If only uh, TV. Gosh, those were the glory days. I guess someday this thing will be considered as such. Because you know what's coming? Virtual reality. I know we have it already, those goggles you put on. But imagine... Imagine it being like a thousand times, a million times better. Imagine it replicating life almost perfectly to the point you can't tell what's virtual and what's real. That's the direction this is going, and I think we're going to be hooked. We're going to be totally, I mean, why do anything? If you can climb Mount Everest, you know, from your basement, well, why go climb Mount Everest? Why do anything? That is going to be a problem. We're going to look back on this. Oh, those silly little boxes in our the, the, the little squares we carried around. People were worked up about that. Well, this is just an indicator. If we're addicted to this, which is, you know, not exactly the most enriching experience, right? It's, uh, you know, texting and words and, 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 and imagery and videos. 
Imagine all of your senses being dominated, being captivated, being, and you know, they can, they'll be able to recreate anything, any experience you can think of. Skydiving, uh, scuba diving, sex. Imagine that. They're working on that big time, virtual sex. People are going to want that more than the real thing. So there's that. <laughs> I don't know where, where do we what do we do with that? Uh Susan, you've been standing by in Bro- Oh wait, no, stand by Susan. Uh Rena in New Jersey. Yes, hello. Hi Greg. I hope your legs feeling better today. Thank you. Yes. But by the way, uh the discussion you had about that woman and you couldn't conf- you were confounded how could she still be alive? Well, I was 22 when that horrible episode happened. I'm sorry, what woman? Alive and kicking. The uh, Emmett Kelly case. Oh, Emmett Till, yeah. The, I'm calling him Emma Kelly. Uh, he, uh, this happened just about the time I was 22, and I'm still alive and kicking. And in the dim light with a mask on, I still catch somebody's eye. So <laughs> we're out there alive. Well, wait. I mean, it's not that. I mean, it's not that. I know there are people in their 80s, uh, 90s, 100, but you got to admit, Emmett Till, I mean, that's such a kind of a thing long ago in the past. It seems like, and you got that picture of the boy, it's iconic. It's hard to believe, and he's dead. So you figure that the woman he whistled at probably, and I didn't know exactly what year it happened in. I knew it was in the 50s. So I'm not disrespect. I mean, I get it, but I just still, it's like that some, a key player in that drama is still alive. That's, that's surprising to me. Does that make sense? Yes, of course it makes sense. All right. Uh, and you make sense all the time. Aw. Love you. Thank you, Rena. Thanks for calling. Good stuff. Uh, Frank is in Long Island right now. Hello, Frank. How you doing, Greg? Pleasure to talk to you. I'm a huge fan. Thank you. Uh, you were memorializing uh, James Conn yesterday and talking about some of the movies he had done. And I remember one of my favorite James Conn movies is, and I know you have an animus towards Westerns, but it's uh, called Elms of Horsemen. Uh-huh. Uh, it was made in 1978, so he was more or less you know, a movie star at that time. It's a fantastic movie. Uh, and it's not a Western in, tr- in the uh, traditional sense. It's got some great actors in it, Jason Robards, Jane Fonda, believe it or not. I'm not a big fan, but she plays a fantastic role. It's a great movie. I think you'll love it. It's got perseverance. In the ah, Jane Fonda. All right, I'll check it out. What's it called again? Uh, Comes a Horseman. Comes and, a Horseman. Uh, All right. It's not a yeah, not a Western in, in the traditional sense. It's set in the 1940s. Okay. I, I think you'll love it. All right, all right. I'll check it out. Anything else going on out there? No, nothing much. You know, just enjoying retirement. So, uh, How old are you? You don't sound old enough to be retired. How old are you? I'm 67. This Good year. for you. Man, what, did you work for the railroad by any chance? No, I was with the uh, New York City Police Department for about three decades. Oh, wow. Well, good yeah, for you. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Uh, man, retirement. Man, oh, man, oh, man. I know. It's good. What a country, you know? What a country. It is. Yeah. It's, it's all, right. all good. Thanks, pal. Very, very much. Uh, retirement. Am I going to be able to retire? You wonder. It's the last thing on my mind. right? You know what's on my mind right now? Tuition. Yeah, we got babies and nursery school. When I went to nursery school, St. Mark's School in Rockville Center, New York, I think it was $25 I needed, well, my mom needed $25 and a towel. You had to bring a towel to nursery school for resting time. 
And um, I remember my mom stitching my name, Greg, in a beautiful green towel. And I was fascinated by, by resting time. It cost 25 bucks to register. And I'm pretty sure that was it. Now, if you, oh boy, these, these crazy tuitions and this crazy system. I mean, I'm sorry, public schools, some, a handful of them here in New York City are good. But uh, a lot of them aren't so good. Oh, and a lot of them are going all crazy woke. Well, my kids are going to have nothing to do with that crazy woke stuff. Nothing. And uh, they are both girls. I know they're girls. They know they're girls. They're girls. It's not up to them. It's already been decided. They are girls. Okay? And uh, we're not going to talk to them about trans this and LGBTQ that and uh, whatever. And issues of sexuality, well, they're going to know the birds and the bees. But as far as that stuff goes, adulthood. Adulthood. Okay? Fair enough? No drag queens dropping by to read them books. All right? And they're not going to be going to the sex shop for uh, story time either. Like some school board member is doing in Bellevue, Washington right now. There is... uh, Sex education at the sex shop. They're not going to the sex shop. If anybody needs anything from the sex shop, I'll go to the sex shop. Anybody? I mean, yeah. Has anybody ever been to a sex shop? I must admit, I have ventured in once or twice or three times out of curiosity. Just out of curiosity. What's going on in there? Uh, there 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 was actually like three in my neighborhood. I uh, used to live downtown, and um, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it is what you think it is. And what's the, I mean, look, I have no problem. I mean, as long as you're an adult, whatever, although we can have a talk about that because all that stuff that you think is so important that I used to think was so important about me, it turns out it's not important. When did it become such a thing that we are defined by sexuality, that everything about Who we want to hook up with, that's the most important thing. Our most important thing is our appetites, is what I crave or you crave. That is the ridiculous. These things, that's why we're not, eh, I know people don't like to say it, but, or hear it, but we're the only creatures on earth who can decide these things. Animals have no say in the matter. They just... Straight ahead. Somebody asked me a question. I think it's a fascinating one. Do you think animals know during the act of sex that they are procreating, that they are creating offspring? And uh, the consensus answer is no, they don't. They don't know. They are just programmed to do it. They're not thinking nine months from now or six months from now or whatever the gestation period is for kangaroos or whatever that there will be baby kangaroos and we must do this to further the kangaroo race. Nobody's thinking that way in the kangaroo world or the tiger world or the ant world or anywhere else. Whatever they do, they're doing because it feels good, period. Just because it feels good. Now, we're better than that, right? Because we can factor in all kinds of other things. And believe it or not, and it took me a long time to figure this out, there are more important things than feeling good for 15 seconds, if you're lucky. Susan is in Brooklyn. I thought I'd bring a woman into this conversation to make sure I haven't uh, done any real damage. What's up? You're the 
best. Um, <laughs> I, well, I originally called about um, Bo Deedle and his comments. Can you um, believe that guy? I'm very disturbed. Uh, first of all, just throwing uh, Donald Trump under the bus and um, not giving him credit or the, the complexity of the things that uh, President Trump dealt with and he would have to deal with now that we are, you know, in this really dangerous, horrible position that the Biden administration has put us in. Donald Trump has the uh, ability to deal with those complex issues. He's our best chance. DeSantis yeah. is just um, basically um, he's emulated Trump. Yeah, he's and a copycat. He does need a, a more time. And the fact that Donald Trump was there already for three years, it would be a disaster to have anyone else. All right. Good stuff, Susan. What are you doing this weekend? Well, it's Ooh. funny. You were talking about books. I told you I'm up in the Finger Lakes. I started um, um, to be a professional reseller. And uh, that's one of the main things I'm doing is getting books from estate sales, some really amazing old books, and researching and learning about, you know, the rare books and just even like the beautiful books we used to read. Well, even I was Nancy Drew, the hardest. Boys. All right, so you're going to go to uh, you got you're going you're going to the flea market this weekend. In other words, no, no, I sell them in stores. Oh. and online. All right, well, that uh, look, I you heard me earlier. Hardbacks, real books. I am sick of these e-books. And there's nothing like, uh, hey, somebody told me once, if you think you're not much of a reader, you know, people say, ah, you know, I I I I'm not good at reading. Pick up a copy of The Godfather. Pick up a co- and start reading that, the book by Mario Puzo. You will fall in love with reading. If you never was much into it, pick it up, read it. You'll be addicted. You know, there's a reason why uh, that movie was made, because the book was so freaking good. Uh, Susan, have a great weekend. Uh, thank you for what you do, and thank you for your support. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, once again, um, the prime minister, ex-prime minister of Japan, Shinzo Abe, shot by some crazy person in Japan and killed. Really sad. He's the longest-serving prime minister uh, possibly ever, possibly in post-war Japan. Eight years. There used to be really high turnover. Let's see. Everybody liked this guy. He was close with Trump. He was really good for Japan. He had to leave office, I think, because of health reasons, but he was given that speech it's amazing. He's talking at one moment, one moment, and then he gets shot, and you know, you never know. You just never know. He was only sixty-seven or sixty-eight years old. Uh, quite a loss, and um, I think there was a chance he was going to come back to power. Actually, anyway, here is oh gosh, Joe Biden was not good. They asked him about this. You can't see it, but number one, he looks totally baffled and exhausted, and then he sounds kind of baffled and exhausted too. This is after the abortion stuff, and then he's asked about uh, the death of Shinzo Abe. Go ahead. Mr. President, what does Prime Minister Abe's death last night say about the security situation in Japan? And can you give us an update on your thinking about lifting China tariffs, please? Let me, uh, I, uh, I tried to put a call in to, uh, the breath? to the present Prime Minister, uh, and, uh, he was very late, spoke at the Japanese embassy in the way of the CIA. Um, 
This hasn't happened to Japan in decades and decades. I, I'm told we'll go all the way back to the late 30s, the mid 30s. And it's a homemade weapon. I've only seen a photograph of it. The Justice Department is going to be going in and giving me more detail later as they find out the detail. All right, thank you. Very inspiring. But did you hear that at first? <sighs> and why was he out of breath? Well, he just got up from a table. He was sitting at a little table. And by the way, they should get rid of that little table. Any president looks ridiculous sitting at this thing. It's the table. It's not in the Oval Office where they have an appropriate desk. It's like a little table for signing executive orders I think it's in the Roosevelt Room, and it looks like it's a little kid's table. Anyway, uh, they got to get rid of that thing, bring it to the junk sale, something, because it just looks like it's made for a little kid. And no matter how big you are, Trump's pretty tall, I think 6'2 or so. You just look kind of kid-like, and Joe Biden looked even worse. So get rid of that thing. What you can do, and actually it's pretty modern and cool, elevate it. Make it a standing desk. All right, make it a standing desk. I notice a couple of people around here have those standing desks. Doesn't Matt Meany have a standing desk? I have no idea what the hell they would, why they would do that. They say it's healthy or whatever, but uh, I'd like to, I, <laughs> I have the opposite. I have a uh, lazy boy recliner in my office. I do actually. And uh, it's wonderful for naps. It's wonderful for just chilling out. It's wonderful for working as well. I just work better with my legs up. Who wants to stand all the time? And Matt Meany, I mean, he's he's not, you know, he's certainly not out of shape, but I don't think he's, like, in particularly good shape. It's not improv. I mean, what is that giving him? I, 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 I don't understand the standing desk. Who else has one? I think Sean Spicer has a standing desk, actually. Why? Why would anybody stand? Uh, I, I should speak. My leg, you heard what happened yesterday. I... I Jeez, I almost went to the emergency room. My The pain was so bad. I don't know what the hell happened. It was a bad cramp, whatever. I, you know what? It felt for a moment, I thought, is this what kidney stones feel like? But it was in the wrong part of my body. Um, all right, so do me a favor. If you are, or not do me a favor, do yourself a favor and check out my Newsmax show, 10 p.m. East Coast time. Now, I know some of you are still grumbling about the time change. Uh, what can I tell you? This is the new time change. It actually works a lot better for me. I have more time for uh, my leisure activities and my work activities, okay? And that's important. Tonight, uh, what the hell are we going to do tonight? Well, I have this fascinating video from Illinois where a mob of people swarm a cop car, and it's video from inside the police car. It's pretty astounding. The The widespread contempt for police which is so unfair, but you know where it comes from, right? I mean, the mainstream media, day in and day out, lying about the cops and also lying about what's really happening out there. Listen to this for a second. Cut 43. Do we have time? Yeah, go ahead. Cut 43. You can't drive while black, can't walk while black. Now you can't proactively comply while black. Three high school students in Rochester, New York, are arrested while waiting for their school bus. Their offense, waiting while black. You can't barbecue while black. You can't go bird watching while black. Pulling people over. All right, shut up, everybody. Black. All right, enough, 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 enough. And, you know, it's a weird form of white supremacy. These white people out there saying, you know, like, oh, oh, 
Black people are victims. Black people need me, a white man, to stick up for them and to give them stuff and to cut them breaks. That, in its own way, is white supremacy when you think about it. All right, I'll see you tonight on the Newsmax Show at 10 o'clock. Have a great weekend to be continued.